This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, September 22nd, 2013. Soul Detox, Radioactive Relationships. So this morning we complete our series on detoxing our souls, and our focus today is on radioactive relationships, loving unhealthy people without getting sick ourselves. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you so much for today. It's a day that we get another day to be about your business, to make a difference. Lord, now settle us in that we might experience you, experience your touch, and leave a little bit different than when we came in. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Everybody gathered said, amen. Amen. So radioactive relationships, relationships that are toxic for one reason or another. And our challenge is this, first to recognize when the relationship is toxic, hopefully before we get sick ourselves, but still to be able to reflect the love of Jesus Christ to those who we're in contact with who are toxic. Craig Rochelle, who wrote the book Soul Detox that we're drawing from for this series, he says this, he says, the people closest to you will hands down be your greatest spiritual asset or your worst uh, spiritual curse. Those, who spend the mo- those you spend the most time with can propel you closer to God, serving him faithfully and pleasing him in all you do, or <laughs> be toxic tag-along. Sounds kind of like a spoiled Girl Scout cookie, doesn't it? Uh, and they can corrupt your good intentions and rob you of the blessings God wants to pour out on you. It gets pretty serious here. If you, after you've swum in their poisonous presence, they leave you sitting in a puddle of sewage, nursing a corroded soul. Yow. Yeah. Yow. Everybody's like sort of like, whoa, that's right, a lot of imagery, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. It does matter who we spend time with. It does matter who we hang out with, who we associate with. The Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of the second half of the Bible, wrote this letter to the church at Corinth. Here's what Paul says about this. He says, do not be misled. Say the rest with me. Bad company corrupts good character. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, it can happen. Do not be misled. It can easily happen before we even know it, especially when we spend time with people who aren't good for us. As Craig Rochelle says, first we're misled, then we're tolerant, then we become corrupted ourselves. We're misled, then we become tolerant, then we get corrupted ourselves, and we don't always see it coming. It just kind of happens, and sometimes, even if we are aware of a dysfunctional relationship, it's really difficult, it's so tough to do something about it. But it is possible to do something about it. We'd like to share that with you today. So much of the second part of the Bible, the New Testament, is made up of letters written by Paul, uh, and he wrote these to various churches that he had started, kind of follow-up letters, and then also to some individuals. 
Two of these letters were written to a guy named Timothy, a young man who accompanied Paul on several occasions as he traveled around the Mediterranean area sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul was his mentor, and as such, he offered Timothy some, some very helpful advice and very pointed suggestions for being a faithful a Christ follower. Here's a good insight that he offers to Timothy in his first letter. He writes, avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Well, that's pretty visual, too, when you hear that. It's like, yo, you know, before God redirected my steps into ministry, uh, I was a nurse. I've seen gangrene. It's like not good. You know, you know, stuff, blood doesn't get down, the skin, the fingers, the toes, the e whatever, it just rots. And it isn't good at all. So Paul uses this really powerful image to make a point, and that's what happens when we associate with people of godless chatter. Remember, it says, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. And so that can be toxic in our lives. And so in this book, Soul Detox Groeschel, says that there are three common types of toxic people, and, and we would agree with this. And, um, and here's the thing, they can be found in any family, any office, any school, any neighborhood, any church. Yeah. And he points this out, too. If you're thinking now, gosh, do I know? And you can't come up with a toxic person. Guess what? <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Um, that's what he said, not me. Anyway, might be you. <laughs> it might be you. And that's the other thing as we're going through this. If some of this sounds familiar to ourselves, we might need to take stock of that. Um, you're going to write, want to write these three things down. If there's a pen, there should be in the, in the pocket in the seat ahead of you. And there's a place in the bulletin that says notes, and that's designed so you can take notes. Okay, so here we go. The first of the three are the chronic critics. CC, chronic critics. These people will find fault with everything. Everything. It's too hot or it's too Okay. It is kind of cold in here. I think it's perfect. <laughs> How many say it's too hot in here? How many say it's perfect? How many say it's too cold? <laughs> wow, it's pretty. Uh... <laughs> How many are these chronic critics? It's too dry or it's too Wet, yeah. And no matter what you bought, you always paid too much when you're around. Um, the movie is dull and boring, bad acting, predictable plot. Is that boyfriend of yours ever going to pop the question? The music in this church is too... Okay, so we do have earplugs for those of you who think they're in the back because the music is right at the level where it's going to stay. So get some earplugs. Barry told me, though, he does, he does an inspection before the message to make sure they aren't still in. Anyway, music's too loud, the preaching is too dull, and the people are all hypocrites. That's not me talking. That's just what some people would say. I'm not saying that now. No matter what it is, this chronic critic picks at it like it's a scab and keeps picking and picking and picking until it finally 
starts to bleed. Chronic critics love company. <laughs> and so they surround themselves, or try to, with people who are chronic, who, who become chronic Or they'll put critics. them in a the training program. Yeah. So um, Alan and I have this terminology that we have used over the years of those times when chronic critics get together and they do, all, do their thing, and we call it a negfest. A -E festival of negativity. You know, they just really get into it. Okay, some of you are nodding, so you know what we're talking about. We're like, man, we do not want to get caught in a neg fest because when one person says something that's kind of negative, then we feel like we have to comment and we might say something negative and then it gets negative and, then, and you know what I'm talking about. It just spirals down. That is not honoring to God. So chronic critics have these unholy gifts of discouragement, of complaining, of gossip, and of criticism. And when I talk about this, I mean, we've engaged in these kinds of things ourselves. So we're not pointing fingers. We just need to bring out the truth. And when we're talking, not somebody who once in a while has a negative something. I'm, we're talking about people who this is their M.O. You got what, you know, you know. We find chronic critics throughout the scripture, of course. It's a story of God and God's people, and as people, they're going to be in there. But we especially find them in the book of Exodus. You know the book that talks about how the Hebrew people are freed from the slavery in Egypt, and then they get to wander around the desert for 40 years as God prepares them for life in the promised land. The chronic critics were the among, ones among the Hebrews who wished they'd never been freed, <laughs> who looked back longingly for those wonderful years of enslavement, <laughs> uh, who moaned and groaned about the food out in the desert, who constantly asked the question as though they were kids in the back seat of the car on a long trip to grandma's, are we there yet? And they were extremely good at stirring up dissent among the others. That's what we read in Numbers 11th chapter 4 through 6, and this is from the version of Scripture known as the Message. You all heard the word riffraff, right? You maybe even have used it, riffraff. The riffraff among the people had a craving, and soon they had the people of Israel whining, why can't we have meat? <laughs> we ate fish in Egypt, and we got it free. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. To say nothing of the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and onions and garlic, but nothing tastes good out here. All we get is manna, manna, manna. <laughs> oh gosh, the riffraff. They're still among us today. Still among us today. In some translations of the scripture, instead of being translated riffraff, it's translated the rabble. R-A-B-B-L-E, the rabble. Anyone here ever heard the term rabble rouser? There you go. That's it. You know, rabble rouser, someone who, who tries to stir up the, the emotions, the negative emotions of the crowd, and to try to get them riled up in a negative way. Uh, you know, the, uh, these are the, the chronic critics, and, and they can be absolutely deadly. And as Carrie said, it's so easy to get drawn into that. You know, you hear somebody neg, and if you're not careful, you get drawn into the neg fest, and you just kind of pile on. It's, it's dangerous.
It's really important right now in the life of our church to be tuned in and cautious of this, especially as we talk about our capital campaign. There is nothing more that Satan would want for there to be negativity, for this person to say something, this person to say, for us to have a spirit of disunity. And that's what happens when we get in this critical nature. There's just disunity. And so let's guard ourselves against that and be in one accord with, um, with the vision, uh, connecting people with, connecting more people with Jesus and the life he offers. So we've talked about uh, chronic critic. The next uh, type of toxic person that we want to talk about is the controller. The controller, not talking about the person who is a leader, who walks into a room that's kind of in chaos and kind of makes order, who has a positive influence, but we're talking about somebody who is overbearing, who forces their opinion, who it's kind of like my way or the highway. We've all experienced that kind of person and hopefully we aren't that kind of person, but we've got to really dig deep on all these things that we're talking about today, being a controller. You know, a controller first, it might not be a big deal, we're in their presence, but more and more and more we find that, you know, we lose our choices, we lose our voice, and eventually even some of the simplest situations that we might be in, we just sort of retreat and surrender instead of fight because we just get beaten down. They know how to manipulate, know how to manipulate. They use fear and guilt as a weapon. And so the controllers are toxic for our souls. And this is a challenge thing, but it can be especially challenging with those who are very close to us. For example, a spouse, you know, you know, the point isn't you can't, don't want to leave, but you know, you're still, it's a difficult, toxic situation. So it would be important to try to talk through that with your spouse directly and to try to come sort of a, a agreement as to how to deal with this thing. On the other hand, if that's not helpful or not, not working, we encourage you to seek some counsel, some professional help, someone who has the tools to help work through this. If you don't know somebody or have, want some help with that, talk to us because we know some counselors that would be very helpful in, in helping you to, to get that situation squared away. So that's a spouse, but how, there's also the situation somebody close like a parent. And I'm not talking a parent of a two-year-old where, I mean, you, you gotta be pretty controlling of a, of a little child, but you know, sometimes this parents can want to control their kids even after the child is grown, is an adult and has children of their own. In fact, sometimes that's the challenge when they want to tell you how to raise your children. I don't mean helpful suggestions and hints, but I mean just to the point where they're almost demanding. And, um, and, and the child sometimes, you know, is very almost fearful because of the wrath and retribution they might receive if they don't do what mom or dad says, and this can even take place from miles away. It's, here's the bottom line on this whole thing today. See, we're talking about being healthy. God wants us to be healthy, amen? Healthy physically, healthy spiritually, healthy, healthy emotionally, healthy uh, psychologically. And if, if things are causing us to be unhealthy, uh, we need to um, square that situation away, whatever it takes to do that. 
And, and, and in this case of this controlling, that's not healthy, it's toxic. And an adult child will need to confront that parent, and that's hard. You know, isn't it funny at 40, you know, you're an adult, you, you're all grown up at work and everything else, and then you come with mom or dad, especially if they're, and you're back to being like nine, you know? And, and you have to be able to have that adult-adult conversation, and they might not like it if they're a controller, because they're used to you just succumbing to what they say, but you have to have the adult-adult conversation, and if that doesn't work, you may need to seek some counsel with that. Yeah. Or you may need to set some very serious boundaries for your own protection. How many here are parents? All right, so this is a word of warning to us. Let's not be controlling of our kids who are not little. I mean, we should do that in an honoring way too, but as they're in teenage years, college years, adult years, we need to trust that what we've been doing is, is positive and let them fly make good decisions, they might make decisions that we don't agree with, but it's important to not control our adult children. We all, um, I, I sort of have to work on that myself. So, uh, love you guys, <laughs> very much. Last service, they were like texting each other back and forth. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So, um, again, talking to myself. So we have, uh, we've been talking about the chronic critics, we've been talking about controllers, the last type of toxic person, we're not, talking about, we're not talking about like regular people, we're talking about toxic people, is the tempter. Or temptress. Or temptress. These are people who encourage us, who often go out of their way to kind of help, like direct us in a direction that is not good for us, stuff that they may be doing a boyfriend or a girlfriend who pushes you to do things sexually that you know you're not supposed to be doing. That's an example. How about a, a friend who um, is into drinking or drugging and they just don't want to be alone and they want a party friend, but they want you to come along with them and it's a very slippery slope that we go down, down, down with that person, maybe it's somebody who's addicted to internet pornography or is just a looker, which is just plain wrong. But anyway, uh, they say, hey, come take a look at this. You know, they want to take us down where they're at. Somehow it feels good to bring others down. That's really not right. It's just so wrong. Maybe it's somebody who's lonely at work and they might like bend your ear a little bit and then a little bit more and pull you away and they don't care if their advances or their words ruins your marriage or ruins your family. Mm. So here's the thing, in all these situations, whether common crit or chronic critics or controllers or tempters or whatever, it's important to recognize that they're toxic before they poison you. It's important to be kind of preemptive here. In other words, uh, be always on the lookout for relationships that are radioactive. Kind of have your antenna out before, before you get poisoned. An important part would be as you pray, 
I constantly seek God, please guide me, God, please protect me, please help me to see things before they actually happen, help me to be aware. You know how sometimes you, you don't get aware of a situation until you're like you're in it, so to speak. Help me to be more discerning, help me to be aware of those situations, of those people around me that are less than healthy, that are not God-honoring, that are going to be toxic in my life. And during that prayer, also ask God to reveal to you what part you play in that toxicity, what part. I had a, a friendship that became very codependent, very unhealthy, and I had some responsibility in that. And it just, you know, we're not victims. We need to dig deep and look at where we are and then to do something differently and then to detoxify our souls. It's all through prayer. And so then you, once you've looked at the mirror and figured out what you need to do, if you're playing a part in it, then it's up to you to, to go to that other person and, and to share with them the problem. And I would encourage you not to be brutal, but I wouldn't say to mince around so that when you get all done, they don't realize what the problem, tell them what it is. Do it with respect and dignity, though, even if they're not respecting and being dignified to you. Because as Christ's followers, we are called to respect all others. In chapter 22 of Matthew, Jesus, you know, he boils all the commandments down to two. Basically, I'll, I'll put it, I'll, I'll analyze it. Love God with everything you got. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's my neighbor? Someone asked Jesus. He tells a great story, but the bottom line is, your neighbor is anybody you come in contact with. So the situation may dictate how we confront. If we're in a workplace, workplaces often have procedures and policies of how to do that, and it's important to do the way your company or school or wherever we are um, has. If, if it's a family member or friend, you know, certainly one-on-one -on -one is the first way it should be, praying first. You might if your point doesn't get across, if you feel misunderstood, you might try taking someone with you because sometimes it's the way we communicate and that person just might not understand really uh, where we're at. Um, if that still doesn't work, some space might need to be created between you and the workplace, the school friend, the, the family member, um, and so, the bottom line is that we've got to pray about all this because it's incredible when we talk to God about it and say, okay, either shut my <coughs> mouth or use my mouth your way, God, actually what comes out or doesn't come out. So let's depend on God totally during these conversations. And then if you've tried everything and it just is where the person just refuses to change, it just isn't happening, you may need to sever the relationship. And of course, that's, that's a last-ditch effort, because the last thing we want to do is sever our relationships, but you might need to uh, choose to do that if that other person refuses to change, if the other person continues to be toxic, because if you don't sever it, you may become toxic as well. You know, in, in a scripture, Jesus tells us it's better to cut off our hand if it is um, causing us to stumble. I think that that would carry over 
better to cut off the relationship if it's going to cause us to stumble, if it is, if it is uh, helping me to become toxic. Cutting off a relationship, again, should always be the absolute last resort. And, and here's the thing, even if you cut it off, you know, it's always possible for people to change. With God, all things are possible. And that person at a later date might realize and, and you know, have a, a revelation and a turnaround. And, and so always be aware that there's a possibility for impossible reconciliation. There might be possibility for re-engaging that other person in a relationship if and when real change occurs. There's a scripture in Proverbs, <coughs> excuse me, that we'd like to share with you. It's Proverbs chapter 4. Do not do as the wicked do or follow the path of evildoers. Avoid their haunts. Turn away and go somewhere else. For evil people cannot sleep until they have done their evil deed for the day. They cannot rest unless they have caused someone to stumble. There are people like that, and we really do need to be on guard. In closing, then, it's important to remember that even though we're called to love our neighbors as ourselves, I don't see anywhere where we are told to allow ourselves to be dishonored, disrespected, and abused. If, if we are to love God and those around us, if we are to uh, um, connect people with Jesus and the life that he offers, we have to be healthy in order to do that. And if we have people around us who are um, toxic and, and, and it's causing uh, toxicity in us, we have to do something to bring about some kind of a change. We can love people who are uh, uh, toxic, but we, we can't allow that to make us sick as well. And so we might need to have the conversation, we may need to draw the boundaries, or we may even need to sever. But for the sake of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we need to be aware and consider how healthy we can be. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy God. Wow. This is a tough one. Please help us to be uh, cognizant of, of, of uh, radioactive relationships. Please help us to be aware of our own uh, dealings in this and those around us. Please help us to be aware. Please give us strength. Please give us courage to have the necessary and uh, tough-to-have conversations. Please help us when we have to, to put up boundaries and even uh, separation if we must. Please give us strength and courage as we follow you in the name of Jesus Christ and the power of your Holy Spirit. All God's people said, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.